Hi, I'm Frank D. Felice. And I'm Jim Cassis. We both have been nurses for over 25 years. The thing is, Jim and I have spent almost our entire careers in the operating room. And there's much more to nursing than just the operating room. The nursing profession is a widely diverse field. Yeah, Jim, with many specialty areas. There's the ER, pediatrics, hospice, school nurse, the list goes on and on. We are on a mission to explore the nursing profession. That's why we created our show, Real Talk with Real Nurses. This journey will take us out of the OR and out into the nursing community. Our show is driven by interviews with nurses who describe what they do, how they do it, and share their personal stories. So welcome to Real Talk with Real Nurses. Or as we like to call it, The Jim and Frank Show! And that too, yeah. <laughs> Another episode of Real Talk with Real Nurses coming right up. Welcome to Real Talk with Real Nurses. I'm Frank D. Felice. And I'm Jim Cassis. Welcome to the State of the Nursing Profession in 2022 episode. That's a mouthful. Yeah. All right. Before we get started, I would like to... Congratulate Jim on his retirement. Uh, Jim has retired from nursing after a illustrious career. Uh, here's a picture of his last uh, punch out. Oh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, so happy retirement, Jim. Thank you, Frank. All right. In today's show, we will talk about where we are as a nursing profession. We have some interesting demographic statistics that highlight trends in nursing and where we are as a profession and where we're going. Uh, in today's show, we will discuss some significant events in nursing that have played a part where we are as a profession today. We're talking about media events. Um, we also discuss the nursing shortage briefly as this topic will be address, addressed at length in a future episode. I've been a nurse, well, I'm still a nurse. I still have my nursing license. I still consider my nurse, though I'm not practicing, for uh, over 28 years. But I'll admit, I've never taken the time to really look at the demographics of our profession. None of us have. Uh, I guess uh, I find some of these uh, demographics very interesting. Uh, just to note, we obtained these statistics from a very reliable source, such as the U.S. Board of Labor and Statistics, uh, the American Nurses Association, and Lepicots. Uh, uh, not all these statistics are exactly the same, but they show the overall trend and where we're leading to it. Okay. All right, so there's over 4 million nurses in the United States, and, and not all of them are working. In 2018, the number of actual RN jobs was 3,058,800. Two years later, in 2020, the number was 3,080,100. And it's projected that in 2030, there will be 3,356,800 uh, jobs. And um, that's an increase of 276,800 jobs by 2030, which is only seven years from now. And that's like a 9% increase in the RN workforce. Um, during a nursing shortage. So, and this is primarily uh, due to the general population, mostly the elderly population getting older, 
but our overall population is increasing and you're going to need more nurses. Um, nursing is our country's largest healthcare profession. The average age of a nurse right now is 48 to 50. Nearly half of all nurses are over 50. And I've actually seen some figures that say that the average age of a nurse is 52. Right. So to me, when Jim says we're nurses and we're looking at them, these stats, that was the most alarming stat for me, right. is that the average age in all the nurses, and we're talking about like 3 million, the average age is 52. Right. That's old. And the number, uh, this number has steadily increased over the years. To give you an example, in 1983, the average age of a nurse was 37.4. In 1998, the average age was 41.9. And now, uh, 52. I mean, that's a big jump. 34% to 41 to 52. Uh, another interesting stat, nurses 65 and older in the workforce in 2013, uh, 10 years ago, 4.4% were 65 and older. In 2020, it shot up to 14.6. And uh, in 2000... 20? In two, or did I say that? In 2017, it, it shot up to 14.6. In 2020, 19%. So 19%, which is like one-fifth of our workforce is 65 and over, are you kidding me? So, and, and that's like a stone's throw away from retirement. Well, literally, Frank, they are retired because if you, you take a look at that, so that was 2020, there were 65. We're in 2022, which would make them 67. People who were of that age in 2020, full retirement age for full benefits with Social Security was 66 years and eight months. So that means if they were planning to retire, they, they're already eligible for Social Security. They could take full Social Security, retire. So probably that number has increased dramatically now. It must because in two thousand three years ago it was nineteen percent, and so they all, a lot of them hit. Yeah, they, they, they've hit, hit the retirement, retirement age, all yeah. within the pandemic time frame. During a nursing shortage. During a nursing shortage. How you doing? So uh, we're going to discuss some of the racial demographics. Uh, and gender demographics of the RN population and the U.S. Uh, and all right. Good, good luck, Jim. Try to right. explain this. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> try to explain this as concise I'll, as possible. I'll put up a chart to help Jim. because, But not right in front of my face. Right I, gave over, over Jim, over I gave it to Jim because I couldn't even articulate. Right. Like trying to. So the first numbers I'm going to give you is the percentage of the uh, race in that particular population uh, Told you it was let, hard. Let, let, me, let me rephrase that. The first number I'm going to give you is the percentage of that race in the nursing population. The second number I'm going to give you is the percentage of that race in the U.S. population. So for white Caucasians, the amount of Caucasians in the nursing population is 73.3%. The amount of Caucasians in the U.S. population is 76 3%. Which is pretty close. Right. For African Americans, the percentage of African Americans in the nursing population is 7.8%. Uh, the percentage of African, uh, African Americans in the U.S. population is 
Underrepresented. Yeah, underrepresented. For Asian Americans, the population uh, in nursing is 5.2%. And in the U.S. population, they make up 5.9%. Well but, represented. Yeah, well, I don't believe those numbers anyway because every Filipino nurse I know, or every Filipino I know, is a nurse practically. Right, I thought there was 99% Filipinos. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's, that's And we're just kidding, but we we loved our Filipinos. Yeah, they they helped fill our shortages quite a, a, a bit. And I love working with them. Yeah. So for Hispanics, uh, they make up 10.2% of the nursing population and make up 18.5% of the US population. Underrepresented. So there's a big uh, big place of, uh, of improvement right there. So in summary, the, uh, there's a growing number of males in the nursing profession. Right. In 2021, men represented 12% of the U.S. nursing profession. In 2018, it was 9.6%. In 1970, there was only 2.7%. Uh, so th the nursing population is slowly increasing and trending toward mirroring the general population. Well, when you think of it, looking at this, it's like, 50 years, we went from 2.7% nurses male to 12%. That's not a big increase for 50 years. No, but... Uh, and what's our general population? So males make up 49.8% of the U.S. population. So we're, out of all the demographics we've done so far, this is the most unre unrepresented group of people in the nursing profession. Right. So if we want to help fill the nursing shortage, we have to look at doing a better job of recruiting males into the profession. Me and right. Jim were pioneers, by the way. Well, Just so you know. Not in 1970. But. Oh, no. <laughs> I was in grade school. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what are salaries like for RNs in the United States? Well, in 2018, the medium salary was $71,730. In 2019, the salary was $73,300. And in 2020, the salary was $75,330. And that's not a, again, I, I think out of all the issues in the, we're talking about the state of the nursing profession, uh, salaries are not bad. And money can only, yeah, I mean, we always could use more money and everything. The issues that are, are, are really affecting the nursing profession are staffing and work short, you know. Right, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, yeah, the nursing yeah. shortage a little later on. Uh, uh, where do all these RNs work, Frank? Where do you think? Uh, hospitals. All right, so. I mean, uh, Okay, so Frank's right, hospitals, all right? So 60% of RNs work in hospitals. 18% uh, work in, you want to look at the notes, Frank? <laughs> Ambulatory services, uh, doctor's office, home health care, uh, outpatient centers. Okay, uh, another 7% work in nursing resident care facilities. 5% work for the government, and another 3% are in educational facilities. All right, uh, that uh, interesting demographics, Jim. Uh, it brings us to our next part of our show, and that is... We're talking about news events, like media events, big events, that have affected the nursing profession in recent years. Um, starting off with one in September 2015, show us your stethoscope. 
You remember I remember this, that one. You remember that I remember one. that one good. All right, so in 2015, there was uh, on the show The View, um, hosts Joy Behar and Michelle Collins mocked Miss America contestant Kelly Johnson. Kelly Johnson was Miss Colorado, and she's a nurse. So she decided that instead of, for her talent, she wasn't going to twirl a baton, she was going to come out in her nurse uniform. Uh, she was going to give a dialogue uh, or, or share a dialogue that she had with a patient that was special to her that affected her nursing career. I thought it was a pretty good idea. Um, apparently, um, the uh, host of The View uh, didn't think so. They were kind of mocking her on the air. Um, they were saying that it was a dumb talent, uh, saying that she was just reading her emails uh, on stage. And then uh, that's when Behar said, what's she doing with the doctor's stethoscope anyway? Oh, no, she didn't. She came out in a nurse's yes, uniform. Did. And, and uh, there was an immediate uproar in the nursing community. The views Behar and Collins, they, it's a big backlash. Uh, they tried to apologize on their next show. They did a terrible job of it. And they dug themselves deeper. Uh, well, they certainly <laughs> didn't dig their way out. And so they had another episode, and they had to apologize again. Um, so at the time, Janie, Janie Harvey Garner, she was a nurse that saw the episodes in The View just like us, and she started a Facebook page called Show Us Your Stethoscope. And uh, she's from Missouri, the, uh, the Show Me State, and that's where she got her Show Me the Stethoscope uh, thing. And she thought it would be a good idea, and she thought um, this will be great, and her 50 nurses in the ER where she worked or whatever would be a member of this page, and they would have fun with it, and boom, went viral. 800,000 people in no time, 800,000 members from all over the world joined this Facebook page. Well, you know, I, you know, us old people, we don't use Instagram. We use Facebook, so yeah, we all saw this. Right. Uh, but I just remember it was so cool to see these people, uh, you know, like a flight nurse from Australia, uh, you know, badass nurses, too, right. Army and the Navy, uh, saying, like, here's my stethoscope, here's my stethoscope, you know. And uh, so uh, and I thought that that really brought nurses around the world together. I mean, thank God, I guess social media is uh, the big, uh, the asset here, but, so anyway, for this story, in my opinion, this was the single most significant event that brought all nurses together to demand to, demand to uh, be treated with some respect, and I was a nurse for 18 years back then um, when this happened, and I don't remember up to that point any significant media event that brought everybody together like that event did, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Jim, you got an event? Well, yeah, I do have an event. Um, I don't know about you, Frank, but I like playing cards. But I usually only play cards when I'm on vacation, Frank. I know, I can't do it at work because I don't yeah. have the time. Well, apparently, in 2019, on the Senate floor, Washington State Senator Maureen Walsh was opposed to a bill that would guarantee nurses uninterrupted breaks during work hours. She stated that nurses probably play cards for a considerable amount of the day. 
I would submit well, to you, what do you those think nurses happened, probably Frank? do get breaks. You they think probably there was played a, cards a for a considerable a amount backlash, of the day. Exactly. But the reality and that backlash is came from the nursing community was immediate apply. and robust. The Washington State Nurses Association, the WSNA, posted a blog about the incident. The site was so busy that it crashed. WSNA called Walsh's statement incredibly disrespectful and patronizing. WSNA also added, no, Senator, nurses are not sitting around playing cards. They are taking care of your neighbors, your family, and your community. Senator Walsh issued an apology after that backlash. Well, I can say one thing, Frank. Is she still a senator? Well, as of 2021, she is no longer a senator. You can draw your own conclusions from that. Yeah. All right. So uh, that brings us to our next event, and uh, that's Nurses Are Heroes. And this is to do with the 2020, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, which wasn't too long ago. But um, at the time, you got to remember, you got to put your back in, self back in 2020. Uh, COVID was an unknown entity. We didn't have any advanced treatments. We didn't know exactly how it was spread at, at one point. Um, we discovered we didn't have PPE, enough PPE for a pandemic. Um, and everybody was uh, pretty much panicking. CDC guidelines changed frequently. Um, Healthcare workers were afraid of getting sick, rightfully so. Uh, they were afraid, pregnant nurses were afraid of what was going to happen to their fetuses. Uh, nurses were afraid to bring the virus home to their family. Um, the other mental side of it is that a lot of nurses were exposed to multiple dying patients and it was a terrible environment. The nursing, we already had a nursing shortage before COVID-19. And then uh, the census of the hospitals rose and they were spread thinner. Then some nurses would get sick and even thinner. I'm sure some nurses probably bailed out of there since the average age of a nurse is 52. And don't, and don't forget, Frank, those nurses were not only doing nursing duties. They were also taking feeding patients. They were doing cleaning rooms. They were doing all the care that normally would have been Because they, they they kept, uh, what do they call it? Re reduced exposure. Right, environmental uh, services was told to stay out of it and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and some of the stories were, you know, horrific, like the ones that I've heard out of New York and stuff. Um, uh, so anyway, on a positive light, nurses were getting national worldwide positive exposure for risking their lives for their patients. People were publicly and privately thanking and appreciation, uh, appreciating what nurses were doing, and rightfully so. Uh, I know when we came into work, we had signs and people were giving us uh, cookies, and we had cards from grade schools and stuff saying you are heroes, and you know it makes you feel good going to work. Uh, and um, so, all in all, uh, horrific, but. A positive impact on nursing. It was, it was good uh, community relations. People yeah. saw what we were doing. Right. Unfortunately, uh, things changed rather quickly. Yes. Right. Nurses suddenly became 
villains. Uh, on December 14th, the first nurse to receive a vaccine in the U.S. was Sandra Lindsay. Federal and state vaccine mandates soon followed. Nurses who refused to get the vaccine were threatened to be fired by already short-staffed healthcare facilities. At this time, the issue came to a head. Approximately 15% of New York healthcare workers were unvaccinated. New York governor was considering bringing in out-of-state workers and mobilizing the National Guard to fill the numerous and immediate vacancies by healthcare workers who were refusing the vaccine. And can you imagine that too, Jim? It's like there's a nursing shortage before COVID hit, then COVID hits, the census goes up, they're even more thin, nurses are getting sick, and now they're going to mandate that the nurses that have worked without a vaccine and all these people putting their lives in their in a balance now are being mandated and fired for not getting the vaccine and then they're going to call in the national guard <laughs> to fill in their jobs yeah well you know uh and even then the national guard those those are civilian soldiers right so that means they have civilian jobs civilian nurses yeah, now right. being they're, pulled out of the facilities right. to go fill so it's creating more shortages. True that. Right? So I it's, bet it's, you, yeah. So robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. Nurses in the National Guard are probably their primary job is nurses. Exactly. In hospitals. So it didn't make any sense all around. So nurses who were taking care of patients without a vaccine for a year now were not allowed to work without a vaccine. Many cited valid concerns such as exposure have given them natural immunity. The vaccine were fast-tracked by the government and the unknown side effects, especially with a regard to pregnancy, even though the government kept telling us how safe they were. But for some reason, the vaccine was so safe, the government decided to give the vaccine manufacturers immunity from any lawsuits uh, citing, due to, citing emergency due to, due to you know, death or any other injury caused by these vaccines. Uh, the issue became increasingly stressful and negatively impacted the nursing profession. It also became a political football as well. Special note that the New York State leader later said that it was okay for millionaire athletes and performers to have the right to refuse the vaccine. So, and that, that shows the political crap that's right. going on. So, so nurses that were in the front line doing everything that were heroes that are now villains and then millionaire basketball players and everything, they, they don't have to get the vaccine. And, and don't forget the performers. Yeah. And, you know, like th that, that performance from California, Governor Newsom. <laughs> Remember his, his performance when he shut down the restaurants and mandated social distancing for everybody, but then uh, he was caught on tape after the shutdown having a huge dinner party with friends and uh, I guess some, some family members. At the French Laundry. Yeah, you know, drinking wine, no social distancing. No mess. So that was quite a performance, Frank. Good, good that, for the... I was wondering where you're going with performing. Yeah, good for okay. thee, but not for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that brings our... I think this is our last event uh, that we're bringing up here. Um, I guess the, it, it came to a head 2022 with the sentencing, but um, 
It's a fatal medication error. I'm sure everybody's heard. Every nurse has certainly heard about it. In 2017, nurse Redonda Vaught made a fatal medication error. Uh, she was a nurse at Vanderbilt University in, um, in Tennessee. For the first time, a nurse was looking at possible jail time for a medication error. Vaught, who, was admitted, who admitted her mistake the moment she realized what happened, was remorseful and accountable. Um, she was indicted for criminally negligent homicide. Um, Vaught waited years to learn her fate. She faced up to uh, eight years in jail. Uh, on March 25, 2022, Vaught was convicted of criminally negligent homicide and impaired adult abuse. Uh, recently, she was sentenced to three years probation and no jail time, and, but she also lost her nursing license. Um, so, good thing, I guess, uh, she didn't get jail time. Uh, Vanderbilt uh, quickly settled with the victim, uh, Charlene Murphy's family, for $750,000 uh, with the stipulation that they would remain silent about the incident. Um, there was also anonymous tip that led to CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, um, to have an investigation of Vanderbilt University Medical Center, and CMS concluded, and I quote, the Vanderbilt University Medical Center failed to mitigate risks associated with medication errors, which placed patients in immediate jeopardy of risk of serious injuries and or death, unquote. So that's what they discovered, that their system of giving out medications was not safe. Uh, Vanderbilt was also discovered to have misled the state examiner about details of Charlene Murphy's death and also sought to cover up their lack of safeguards. Um, the takeaway from this is that Vanderbilt uh, uses an employee as a scapegoat for their system failures. Um, they, Vanderbilt tried to mislead an investigation and cover up the incident. The hospital also paid hush money for the family. Uh, to keep quiet, um, Redonda Vaught uh, lost her license, her career, almost went to jail. Uh, the eight years that she had to wait, what was uh, her life and her balance had to be uh, uh, so stressful. Stressful as well. And uh, to my knowledge, uh, Vanderbilt University, nothing happened to them other than the pressure of. Uh, you know, they got a little so, bit so of pressure from an investigation. Right, so nobody was threatened with jail time or, you know, to spend time in jail. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I guess the takeaway from this is that uh, from now on, if we make a medication error, uh, we could possibly go to jail. Yeah, that's interesting to say that because the ANA came out with a statement saying that this set a dangerous precedent uh, because uh, nurses are expected to report their own errors. And part of the system is that it is a not a punitive system, but a system that will help uh, diagnose and and uh, expose problems in the in the like the system errors that system, were found out about right. Vanderbilt University right. and the processes because sometimes the processes are contribute to these errors mm -hmm. uh, and, and make a big part of the reporting. So now, if nurses don't report that the amount of errors that will be uncaught 
uh, that could have been prevented won't be because nurses will be afraid of reporting themselves. And, and this alone, just a one more, and then I'll let you, uh, we're going to conclude the show. But uh, what's this, uh, is this going to help nursing recruitment at all into oh, the profession? Uh, absolutely I mean, not. This is just another, another thing that you have to take into account. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, I, can you imagine him in nursing school and make sure you do the five rights of your meds because you right. could end up in jail. And even doctors are uh, worried about this because now doctors can be even held liable if you know, if you, you uh, if there's a treatment that maybe you didn't give somebody, or uh, you could have given somebody, you let you omit it. Now they could go to jail if somebody dies because supposedly they didn't offer them a treatment, or maybe they died on a, an operating room table. Now, oh, patient died, you're liable. You made a mistake. You're going to jail. So how do you think that's going to affect people going into medicine? Yeah. All right, wrap it up, Jim. All right. Well. Uh, we're going to take uh, some look at the overall demographics in the nursing profession. The trends in diversity are very promising. Uh, increased uh, diversity with regard to race and gender is uh, slowly evolving to mirror the general population. And that's a good thing. Uh, that's a good thing for any profession, but especially for the healthcare industry. And uh, again, what impact has major media events had on the nursing profession? I think that every time a positive or a negative issue is exposed in the media, the general public gets a new perspective on what we do. Um, I think the many challenges that we are faced with in our profession, uh, this exposure to the general public of what we do uh, will bring about positive change. I think the bottom line is that people are patients, and people, when they are patients, don't want to short-staffed, they don't want to stressed out, burn out, and everybody becomes a patient or their family member is a patient at one time or another, and that's something to think about. All right, All right so uh, we can't have a show about the state of nursing profession without discussing the nursing shortage. Uh, we will do a deep dive into the nursing shortage in an upcoming episode. That's going to be a whole episode. <laughs> but we'll mention a few things before we sign off today. Uh, the future projection for our profession is not promising. In fact, they are very alarming. Factors like the increasing age of the nurse over 50 now, the rising number of U.S. population, especially elderly, which will increase... Uh, future demands for more and more nurses. You know, like, Frank, we spend our nursing career taking care of people. We're getting older. Who's going to take care of us? Right. Short staffing, nurses getting burned out and leaving the profession, etc. All right, a major concern is that uh, these future projections look bleak before uh, COVID-19, before the pandemic, and we don't really know the extent of the impact of the pandemic on future projections. Um, we know that the average age of a nurse is like 52. We knew that, what do we say, 19% of our whole workforce, one-fifth of nurses are over 65. Two years ago. Two years ago, and it could be worse. And then... Um, Jim, we were talking about that stat of how many nurses in their first year quit and how many nurses in their second year quit. Right. That, that We don't have that number in front of us, well, but I, it was I, alarming. I remember. So, okay. so in the first year, so imagine you 
are a new nurse and you've graduated, and your first year the pandemic hits. All right. So you're a new nurse. Year well, one. These, these these figures were before well, that. Well, let, let, me, let, me, yeah, let yeah. me. So year one, right? So two years you get hit with the pandemic. Your first two years, you're short staff. Your preceptor is, is is running around crazy. So before the pandemic hit, the the first year nurse, 17 to 30 percent of them left the nursing profession after one year. After one year. The second year. So you made it two years. Yeah, in the second year, if you made it to your second year, then it was 58 percent of the nurses quit in the second year. So imagine that. We don't have enough nurses going, getting educated. And in the first two years, before COVID hit, we lost 58% of the people who graduated. What do you think happened when COVID hit? We'll find out those and, numbers. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. I said, this profession, we haven't even seen that number yet. Of all the people that have, were stressed out, had PTSD over it, uh, you know, we have saw some figures of the suicide rate among healthcare professionals, especially nurses, double the population, male and female, and, and, and all the crazy stuff. The nurses that, that died or right. had chronic illnesses due to COVID. Um, so what are these new projections going to show? Like, what's it going to look like in 2030 now? Yeah. Um, it's scary. So, scary. Yeah. You know, and, and, and in the past, uh, the U.S. has gone to, uh, you know, to other countries to help solve their sh nursing shortage. But uh, because of our past practices, all those other countries now are suffering such an extreme nursing shortage that the World Health Organization has uh, restricted, um, you know, uh, Western European countries, the U.S., North America, from actively recruiting from those countries because the shortage is so severe. And we, I didn't even mention those stats, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to cite exactly because I don't remember, but the whole world is short of nurses. Right, right. <laughs> so, the, so the honeypot that the U.S. was dipping into before is empty. Correct. Right. So finally, we'd like to leave you with some questions. What caused the nursing shortage? Who ran the hospitals years ago? Who managed hospital nursing and made staffing policy? Back then. Back then, yes. So we have some ideas. And, and who is staff, who's running the hospitals now? So that's, that's our big question that we're leaving we with. Who ran them? Who made the policy? Who, who was taking care of staffing and, and, and overseeing hospital uh, uh, you know, healthcare workers, and who's doing it now? And uh, we think we know the answers, like right. Jib says. So, so we're just looking forward to seeing what you guys have to say uh, in the comments and everything. And maybe we'll include some of those uh, thought-provoking comments you guys have in our nursing yeah, shortage. We, we, we want to take a look at your thoughts and your comments, and we want to see. You know, we're 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 just two nurses. You know, and the, how many nurses we said there in the U.S. Four million. Four million. Over four million. Over four million. So uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts and uh, like to see your comments. And uh, we'll take a look at them and we'll let you know the results of those comments and results. All right. And that's it for this episode. So um, thank you for joining us. Um, 
we're going to have another episode coming up with uh, some real nurses uh, that we're going to have as guests. Real, uh, real nurses on Real Talk. Yeah, Real Talk with Real Nurses. We're going to actually have guests this time. Real Talk with Real Nurses. I yeah. got that. Yeah. It's right All right. There. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next episode. See you later. Say goodbye, Jim. Oh, bye, Jim. in your nursing world. Click the subscribe button and ring the notification bell so you stay in the loop. Thanks for